Death Holler is a horror cast created by two true horror fans to bring to the table your favorite horror films. Topics include, but are not limited to, historical horror, gore, the occult, and terror. Listener discretion is advised. Our Father, our Father, our Father, our Father, our Father, Okay, so what have you uh, watched since the last time we talked? Because I'm pretty sure that I talked to you about this, but... Uh, you mentioned something about the show Evil that had just popped up on Netflix. So uh, did you watch any more of that past the pilot, or what's going on with that one? No, actually, I watched pretty much just the pilot episode, and I've been meaning to watch more, um, but actually I've been watching anime. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then with all the preparations, you know, for Halloween and transitioning from Halloween to Halloween Christmas, um, kept me quite busy. And then, yeah, I've been lagging on the movies. What about you? Well, I've not really watched many movies that I can say. I I did watch, like I told you, the uh, 1984 American Horror Story, which... You know, I know you say that you kind of tried to watch that at one, uh, when it first came out and kind of fell out with it, but I think that's because when you watch the show, like the first three or four episodes are a straight up like slasher, you know, uh, like throwback to like the Jason movies and that sort of thing. But it goes way beyond that if you keep up with it. I mean, they throw in the kitchen sink with it. You've got uh, this this devil worshiping serial killer that uh, actually gets brought back from the dead at one point. Uh, you get well, there's a lot of people that does, and that's a whole other thing with it. But it, I don't know, it just throws a lot in there, and it just, I, I really liked how it ended up. I mean, it's probably one of their best seasons, and that's saying a whole lot because. I've really only liked about two or three of them, to be honest. I liked Murder House, which was the first season. I liked um, Asylum. It was okay. I mean, I know a lot of people loved it, but I just thought it was all right. It got a little weird toward the end, I thought. And then uh, I liked Coven well enough. And after that, I kind of dropped off with it. But I, I feel like 1984 was pretty good. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you got to appreciate, you know, the starter one, which was Murder House. And then them bringing that back in the coven season a little bit. You know, they usually kind of always fall back a little bit to the murder house. How could you not? It was pretty much iconic when it comes to, you know, American Horror Story. Um, Yeah, I only made it past, in terms of 1984, I only made it past maybe, I think the first two, three episodes is what I watched. And then I was like, "Mm, I just wasn't feeling it. And yeah, I know sometimes you got to get over those humps. So I'm sure if I watched it again, I probably would thoroughly enjoy it. I will say watching the first three episodes, you get better thrills and better horror. Or I do watching my son play Friday the 13th. I mean, it is pure comedy (laughs) and pure campy horror. 
And I was like, well, you kind of got a better plot line here. You got people that have absolutely no idea what they're doing, definitely not working together to get out of here alive. So it was very amazing. So I watched a lot of that, actually. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's something related to it, at least. Um, I will say that I did watch the rest of Hellstrom because I think I might have mentioned it on the last episode that we, uh, you know, that I was watching, you know, the, the pilot, at least of it. That show really dropped off for me. I don't know. It was all right for a while, but I just felt like it was, it, I don't know. I I just didn't care for it after about the fifth or sixth episode. It kind of just kind of, I mean, it's stuff I'd seen before. I don't know how to really describe it. It was just kind of in the background. And I, I just, I was like, all right, I'm going to finish it out just to, you know, you know, just to completionist sake. But that was about it. I couldn't really stick with it. That's actually kind of sad to hear because I've been hearing people talk nonstop about it, uh, especially on Rain Man. I don't know which um, which series they're doing that under. Um, the Blood Rave, and I did listen to that, and they the last one I listened to they were up to episode four, but it. Um, I don't think they got up to like five or six and they said that that's where the internet had kind of like, you know, started dropping the ratings on it quite a bit. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was with it for the first, you know, three or four. And then after that, I, I don't know. It just, it was, I don't, I mean, the, the lore was cool, but I just felt like, I, I don't know. I must not have been in the mood for it because it was just like the characters were a little too self-serious. I mean, it didn't have that playful charm that the first episode had to it. I mean, where the, you know, the main character, Hellstrom, you know, the, the brother Hellstrom, he was kind of joking around and all that. It kind of fell off and it became like super serious. And I don't know, I didn't, I mean, it, it it's probably just not what I was looking for at the time. Yeah, I think we have pretty high expectations, and if it's going to drop that easily, ooh, that's not going to hold our attention for very long, but I'm sensing a presence among us. Yeah, it seems like we have some visitors, so uh, cue the music. I'll cue the music. Death Holler. This is episode two. The Dose. I'm. <laughs> I am your host, the Reverend Doctor Death, and joining me via Spirit Box is my friend and co-host La Urena. How are you doing? I am doing great today. How about you? I'm doing just fine. Um, little behind the scenes uh, information. We had intended to record this episode prior to Thanksgiving, uh, given the theme of the the movie that we're discussing today, but Black Phillip be damned if we didn't miss uh, our window for that. So uh, my apologies to, you know, uh, anyone out there that might have appreciated having this little bit of Puritan horror to uh, enjoy with your Thanksgiving turkey, but uh, we're here. It's a, a day after Black Friday, which is its own horrific holiday, <laughs> and um, <laughs> we're ready to discuss the the ep- the the movie that we watched. Um, 
Before we get to that, though, I do have a new segment that I would like to introduce uh, uh, called Attack of the Bees. And uh, I'll introduce it with this little clip. All right, Attack of the Bees is uh, my attempt um, to uh, check out some indie uh, and lesser-known cult films and uh, kind of give like a short mini-summary of them, of what I thought of them. Um, this particular one that I watched uh, for this episode was uh, one called Satanic Panic. Uh, it was made in 2019. It's a Shudder exclusive. Um, it is a horror comedy movie. The uh, principal players in this, uh, we have Rebecca Romaine, formerly Ooh. married to John Stamos, uh, Jerry O'Connell of Stand By Me fame and uh, Sliders. That was a pretty good sci-fi show. Isn't that also the current uh, husband to Rebecca Romaine? Yeah, yes. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess they're still married. I was kind of wondering about that when I was watching. I didn't know if they were still together, but I assume since they're in this movie together that they are. I uh, didn't really, you know, <laughs> go back and research that any. Um, we have Ruby Modine in this, uh, which if you've ever seen the movie Happy Death Day, which I think is is great, um, and she was in that and the sequel. She played the roommate to the main character in that movie. And we have, uh, I think this is maybe her first starring debut. The, the main character of the movie, or her heroine, is uh, Haley Griffith. Um, the plot of this film is that Sam, uh, or Haley, is a new, newly hired pizza delivery girl trying to earn enough money to live out her dreams of visiting Australia, which they get into later in the film about why she's trying to do that. Anyways, there's a series of uh, just comedic vignettes, uh, I'll say comedic in quotation marks, uh, of where she repeatedly gets stiffed on tips uh, by the people that she's delivering to. And uh, after coming up with pretty much nothing, uh, she's kind of uh, over all of it. Uh, she has a uh, co-worker that suggests that she maybe go out to the wealthier suburbs uh, where he says some hellacious parties have went down with drugs and orgies and all kinds of crazy shit. So uh, thinking that she might actually score a decent tip by doing this, she takes a job out in, in that direction but turns out there's a coven of witches that are getting ready to uh, summon Baphomet at, in order to try to obtain ultimate power. And they just so happen to need a virgin because the, the virgin that they previously were relying on, Ruby Modine's character, which was also Rebecca Romaine's uh, daughter, has been deflowered. And, oh, no. Uh, last, min last minute. So they, uh, they're in desperate need of a virgin and in walks... Uh, one, you know, basically right into their laps because that's, uh, you know, Sam happens to fit the bill perfectly. And if she goes, uh, she breaks her way into the house just to try to get, um, to, well, basically a mini McMansion to try to get, uh, the tip that she was denied by the asshole at the door and, uh, gets in more trouble than she bargained for. Uh, this it goes on from there. There's a, I mean, it takes a pretty dark twist toward the end of the movie. Um, it's got a lot of body horror in it. I'll, I'll say that f much for it. There's a lot of curses that are put on the uh, characters in the movie, particularly Ruby Modine in a 
very graphic scene where she is puking up uh, earthworms, Ugh. dirt. As she has uh, pins pushing out of her body that are being basically pushed into her, like an effigy that's been made of her. Uh, there's another character that gets pulled into the movie, which is the co-worker that had sent uh, Sam to that place. He uh, he gets called up, and uh, he uh, literally pukes his guts up. So that's yeah. an interesting scene. And there's uh, there's human hearts being eaten. There's a pretty cool-looking tree demon for, like, maybe 10, 15 seconds in the movie. I you know, wish they would have focused more on it, but it was pretty cool. The special effects were on were on point on that one. Uh, one little cheesy scene with what they Ruby Modine labels as a uh, Haxon cloak, uh, which is basically nothing more than a bed sheet that attacks the main character and tries to strangle her to, strangle her to death. It's a uh, it's a really cheesy scene in the movie, but I. I I love the name Hex and Cloak. I think that was a cool concept they came up with. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, it's got a basic theme to it of uh, the elites versus the common folk, the people that are in this wealthy neighborhood or trying to obtain uh, ultimate power. So they can, and of course, they're all about using the blue collar workers to do their bidding and, you know, obtain this power. Uh, has a little bit of the boomer versus millennial you know, uh, class divide or, uh, intergenerational divide there. Um, I would say that if I was going to give this movie any kind of rating, it would be that it's just, or, or any kind of like just overall thought. It was just, that it was uneven. The comedy at the beginning was, I don't know, it was so, so it, it kind of fell flat in places and it was really, it had a really indie feel to it. And I'm not meaning that in a bad way. I'm just like, it was really unpolished at the beginning. And it seems like the movie got more polished as it focused more on the horror and it got better, but then it turned into a really bleak movie toward the end. So it was like, it didn't really have cohesiveness in anything, either like how it was filmed or just like the, you know, the themes that they were trying, the balance they were trying to get between the comedy and the horror itself. Um, well, not all B movies uh, will have that. I mean, at the yeah, end of the day, there, there's, there be films. Yeah, and there, there's, um, I mean, you kind of expect that to a degree. It's just, I don't know, it it, it didn't walk that, you know, tightrope, uh, you know, in the least bit, with at least a little bit of grace at all. It was just kind of, you know, it, it was one or the other. It couldn't really blend the two together in, you know, any good way. Um, it did have some amazing lore in it, though. I will say that because there is a, uh, they brought up during that Baphomet stuff about how uh, they were, the ritual they were trying to do was uh, harken back to the time of the Knights Templar. And Oh, yeah. Look, and that's like, yeah. ulti not ultimately the beginning, but that's really when he started becoming popular. The 1300s, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, I think, in the like 1390s or something like that. And it mm -hmm. was like a series of claims that a bunch of people had given to like King Philip or something about the, the Knights Templar. And, and it kind of, he was basically, I mean, from my reading of it, he was basically pissed off that they had uh, basically made themselves uh, independent of his rule. And he was just looking for any way, shape or form to, you know, torture them and get rid of them. So, I mean, he was, you know, elucidating any kind of claims that anybody would make against them. And Baphomet was the big one that came out against them. And, 
And uh, so that's kind of morphed over time to where now I believe it's even like the head of the, you know, satanic church. It's like the icon for the church. So um, if I was going to give this a patent pending Nicolas Cage rating, which is basically (laughs) how is it a movie that's so bad it's good or, or just got such crazy acting going on that you just can't, you know, not watch it? Or is it just, I mean, just one of those movies that's, uh, you know, just, I mean, it's watchable, but it's really not, I mean, it's too out there to be, you know, really something that you want to get into. If I was going to give it a Nicolas Cage rating, I would rate this probably Ghost Rider. It's not, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a movie that I'm dying to see a lot. It's not one of the better Nicolas Cage movies, if you get my, you know, drift on that. Are you glad you watched it? Um, I did enjoy it. I, it's just like, you know, Ghost Rider itself. It's not one of those movies that I really hated. It's, uh, I mean, there was enjoyable things to it. Some of the humor was, was, you know, good. Um, the, I, I love the lore in it, the horror scenes, the gore scenes. If you're a gore hound, especially the scenes where she's puking up the worms. I mean, they really did a good job with that. It's just that The movies overall, are really good for that. Yeah, just overall it wasn't. Just listening to your description of the movie, I'm going to throw out there, for lack of a better term, that it sounds like in this particular movie, the overall theme is just the tip will get you into a lot of trouble sometimes. (laughs) Would you agree? That would be basically, and if they would have put that in the movie, I think that that would have made it even better if they would have <laughs> mentioned that, which they they might have. There was a lot of sexual related humor in the movie, especially toward the end. I mean, Baphomet is a pretty horny demon. I'll just put it that way. I mean, that is literally his only reason in this movie to even entertain the thoughts of this coven. So just throwing that out there. I mean, there was a lot of that going on. So, um. But again, it was it was it was a decent watch. It's it's worth checking out. I just it's it's not going to you know be one of those like diamonds in the rough or anything like that. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, now before we get to the movie, I do have some news items that I would like to bring up, and you can chime in on this. Your thoughts on these, uh, Urena? But um, the first one I have is that I uh, and these are all from Bloody Disgusting is where I get these at, but. I noticed that uh, it said that Phil Lord and Chris Miller are making an untitled Universal Monster movie with Channing Tatum as the star. Oh, no. Now, I I don't know if you remember, you being a Star Wars fan that you are, but Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I'm pretty sure the people who were in charge of making the Solo movie before it was yanked out from their hands and given to Ron Howard. You know what? No, I, I that I can't remember. I mean, I can see it. I'm I'm I just googled them right now, so yes, that did come up. So you're not wrong. I just don't remember that. Um they're they're very they're known for the Lego movie. That's their biggest thing. Yeah, uh, that is their <laughs> that I know. But um they're they're very big into well, and 21 Jump Street, which is actually I thought was enjoyable. I I got to put that out there, but they're, they're really big into improv. Like, they don't believe in writing scripts. I believe that was the biggest reason why they had issues filming Solo was because they expected everybody to just riff and, and do these um, uh, improvs, and it just yeah, didn't work out Yeah, and that's not a Star Wars film wanting. at all. No, I see but, that um, they were also involved with Ready or Not, which we enjoyed that movie a lot. 
Yeah, and that will come up at some point in in a future season. So I, I they're not they're not bad. I'm interested. I, I'm interested to see what they come up with. Channing Tatum is an interesting choice. I don't know what monster he'll be playing. Per, to be perfectly honest with you, because the only thing that they they described it or the, as is just a modern day tongue in cheek thriller. So I don't know what that means. I mean, they've already, I would have originally thought that, that might be like a comedic take on the invisible man, but they've done the invisible man that there has been a remake of that already. So I don't know what this will be, but you know, it, it's an interesting thought. We'll see what comes out of it. Yeah. I'm not um, a huge fan of Channing Tatum, but I mean, I'm definitely, my interest has been peaked now. So <laughs> the, uh, the next uh, news item is that The Last of Us uh, is the being ordered up as a TV series by HBO. Now, for those that don't know, The Last of Us is an amazing video game that was uh, exclusive to the PlayStation. And uh, it's definitely in the zombie genre. Uh, this one's a little bit different. It, it goes on the whole idea about um, that there's a fungus, a real-life fungus out there that... Whenever it infects, like, I believe it's ants and some other uh, uh, insects, that it actually controls how they think and it makes them, like, hyper-aggressive to the point that they will, you know, kill themselves in order to basically spread the spores. Well, the idea of the, the video game is that, you know, what if this mutated and it could affect humans? And then you get, like, basically this society that's just, you know, cra- these crazed... Uh, uh, you know, mold infected humans or whatever. They're, you know, just going around killing, you know, anything that moves. Um, the game is, is just amazing. It's one of the best stories I've, I've ever, you know, experienced in a video game. And, uh, they're actually getting Neil Druckmann, the game creator and writer on board to co-write and produce the TV show. So I have a really, really high expectation that this thing's going to be amazing. Hmm. Interesting. You know what? I gotta, I gotta switch it up a little bit. Have you seen the movie Love and Monsters? I have not. It's, it's a very recent film. It's 2020. And it, although it's not exactly kind of what you're describing where it's this, you know, mold that's turning people into zombies, it is some kind of, um, I don't want to give it away. We'll say something similar that causes a really weird, monstrous insects and it's it's like an apocalypse film but it's just instead of zombies it's it's you know monstrous insects and amphibians and things like that it's really badass it comedy horror film so along with what you're discussing i think that's another one we could give a shout out to as well that uh, that sounds pretty good. I'll have to check that one out. I hadn't even heard of it, to be perfectly honest with you. So, But yeah, the rest um, of us kind of sounds like interesting with the whole mold and everything and whatever. It sounds very similar to Left 4 Dead, too. It's, it's I mean, it might be in the same vein, but this one, I mean, and it's mostly... Uh, it's the characters in the in the game that really sell it because you got Joel who is this uh, he loses his family at the beginning uh, of this whole thing he he tries to escape with them something happens and you know he he loses his wife and his child and he's gone on for years kind of like working he, he's basically been a bad guy for like years like doing just the scummiest things to get by and all that but he meets up with Ellie and she's this young girl that. Uh, is purported to have the cure for the plague or that's affecting everybody. And 
he is, you know, told that he has to get her to a certain place in order to, you know, um, basically, I, I don't, I, if I, I can't really remember the exact details, but it's either to pay off his debts or, you know, to uh, basically make good on, you know, with the different factions out there that he's basically pissed off. And along the way, I mean, he basically finds his heart again, you know, in the process of trying to take care of this young, this young girl. So, I mean, it, I really look forward to seeing that aspect of the, the game made into a live action TV series. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the last thing that I want to bring up under the news before we get to the movie review is or discussion is that uh, there is a new movie uh, coming out. Uh, I it didn't really give a date on it, but it's uh, hopefully within the next year called Black Friday. Ooh. And it is a sci-fi horror film set during the yearly shopping frenzy. And it uh, it has three uh, or has uh, several disgruntled toy store employees as the main uh, characters in this who are uh, act or played by Bruce Campbell. Oh, Devin Sawa um, of final destination and idle hands. And then Michael J. White of uh, spawn fame. So I, or I would like to see uh, this movie basically just based upon the actors that are involved in this. Cause this thing I mean, could be really great. I mean, you got, I mean, with Bruce Campbell and Devin Sawa, like just themselves, like I could see just the snark going back and forth, like, you know, big time between those two. Oh, yeah. The basic description of it is they have to defend themselves against a horde of crazy shoppers that have gone crazy from an alien parasite. So it sounds like another theme on the zombie genre, but I just, I mean, I think that'd be interesting to see, you know, those actors in that setting. I'm looking right um, now. I'm wondering if this... I don't think this is the same one. Let me see. It doesn't tell me who the actors are in this film, but it says, The store owner uses a satanic ritual every Black Friday to turn a profit on the biggest shopping day of the year. But I don't know. It just gives me a writer and a director. It doesn't give me any actors. So it may not be the same one. I'm, I was trying to see if I can get a date that it was going to be released. Now, that sounds really, really good, actually. Yeah, I'm hoping it actually gets a wide release. I mean, sometimes movies like this, you know, they, I mean, they basically just get dumped out there. So, I mean, it could, you know, we, we could just see it, you know, release straight to video of some kind or streaming service. But uh, I'm hoping that it at least gets some kind of wide release prior to that or at least some kind of recognition, you know, uh, advertising wise and that sort of thing. In these times, we just don't know. So we only hope for the best. That is true um but going from black friday and stepping back uh, a few hundred years uh let's discuss the witch a new england folktale the vivich um <laughs> <laughs> the vivich as it uh, looks like on the because they used old-timey type that didn't have w's mm-hmm. um uh just a little thing up front uh, this does get a Scooby warning, and for anybody out there who doesn't know what that is, there is an animal death in this movie, and it and spoiler, it is the dog. So you have been warned. If you don't like that sort of thing, it is there. So I know we discussed it, and I was so sad when I saw it. But I am thankful. I will throw this out there that you don't physically see it. To me, it was just a sad ball of fluff laying on the ground. 
it is off camera and they don't focus on it too heavily so it makes it a little bit easier it's not it's definitely not the old yeller syndrome of let's show the poor puppy dog eyes just as the gunshot goes off so at least it doesn't have that going forward yeah i i, di- I didn't cry so if i can handle it i think y'all can do good uh the principal players we have in this one uh it's directed by robert eggers uh first uh time major role for anya taylor joy who plays thomason the eldest daughter we have ralph ennison who plays william the father um he's been in lots of high profile films but he's played like little small bit parts uh, they've got his like IMDb listed as guardians he's played in guardians of the galaxy he's played in some recent star wars movies he was in the new movie Ready Player One. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. He just plays like minor, you know, characters in the background usually. Uh, we have uh, Katie Dickey, uh, who plays Catherine, the mother. She's also uh, uh, known for smaller parts in high-profile movies and TV shows. Also, Star Wars, uh, Peaky Blinders, uh, which she actually starred or was in with Innocent. They were both in that TV series. Uh, we have uh, Harvey Scrimshaw, who plays Caleb, the eldest son, which to my understanding is his first major film, This, uh, The Witch. Uh, we have Ellie Granger, who plays Mercy. She's uh, one of the twins. And Lucas Dawson, the, the, one of the other twin. It's both their uh, first major film. Uh, we have Ethan Conrad uh, Dubay, uh, which is Samuel, the infant son, who's not in the movie very long. And, and his twin. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and the twin. Uh, we have Sarah Stevens, uh, who plays the seductress witch in the movie. We have Bathsheba Garnet, who plays Old Hag Witch. Uh, I mean, that her name's Bathsheba, because that is the name of an old hagged witch from back in the day. <laughs> and it's just, I, I don't, that's just amazing that they got somebody with that name to play that part. Uh, and then, of course, we, we can't. Let this go. It was a minor minor role, but Julian Richings played the governor, also known by anybody who's a fan of Supernatural as Death, the original Death, the good Death in that, that TV show. Oh, my God, my favorite. My favorite character of all time in that show. Uh, he He's great. And uh, we could go into a whole side thing about the end of Supernatural, but we'll just leave it at that and say that it... It ended well, and uh, at least the last episode, we'll say that about the rest of it, and um, hats off to them. Um, the plot of this movie is basically the family is uh, excommunicated and exiled after William asserts that the colony or plantation has strayed from the word of God. Uh, and that scene with Julian Richings as the governor kind of uh, over uh, overseeing all of this. Uh, they, they do give him a, now to be fair, they do give him the opportunity to, you know, back off of this. Cause you know, a lot of people don't realize this exile in that time was, it was a big deal. I mean, you were literally going out into the middle of nowhere. There it was, was a no death support sentence, system. Basically. You, I mean, it wasn't like you moved, you know, a mile down the road and, you know, I'll just start going to this McDonald's instead of the one on the other end of town. That <laughs> it didn't work that way. Um, there was, uh, uh, basically, after they're exiled, uh, they think that they've found the, God, the land that God has promised them, uh, but things happen that prove that that was not the case. Uh, a series of misfortunes meet the family, uh, and uh, it starts out with, uh, with the corn rotting, uh, 
possibly with ergot. That was the assumption, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, tr the traps are continually empty whenever uh, you know William is trying to uh, hunt for the some kind of food to feed his family. There's there's never anything on the traps. Uh, the land is barren, get, basically. Yeah, there's there's just nothing there. Uh, their chickens are, are hatching eggs that have, have like half-formed chicks inside of them, totally useless to eat, you can't even eat the eggs. Uh, and of course, the goats are given bloody milk. I mean, come on, they're just getting hit from all sides. I mean... So many bad omens. Um, <laughs> and it, it just keeps getting worse from there. I mean, you got, I mean, shortly into the film, uh, you, you got Samuel disappearing. I mean, right uh, the off the bat, little... you got babies going bye-bye. Uh, babies going bye-bye, uh, which triggers uh, the mom to go into, you know, just just hysteria after that point. Uh, William uh, goes out with his son into the woods trying to hunt for their food. He ends up injuring himself whenever he tries to, you know, shoot at a, a hare that they see in the in the woods or, you know, a rabbit. Very um, mysterious hare that shows up quite often. It shows up conveniently whenever bad things are happening to people, and we'll get into that too. Um, you have Thomason falling from a horse uh, later on whenever they go back into the woods, her and Caleb. Um, uh, Caleb, of course, during that time gets lost in the woods. Poor Fowler dies, rut row raggy. There was your warning about the poor uh, family pet dying. <laughs> uh, Caleb eventually returns, but he's in a completely uh, just uh, catatonic state uh, after he, he uh, barely makes his way back, naked, you know, just uh, completely just out of it. Um, the twins... Uh, end up disappearing uh, a little bit later on in the film after the the father thinks that he can separate them and and you know maybe put the put god back in them or, or whatever his intention was kind of separate them from the you know the mother and and himself um they're they're gone uh and i don't think it ever really says what happens to them uh the remaining goats get slaughtered i mean that you know when they go out when the father comes outside and he sees that of course, shortly after that, the father's killed by Black Philip, which Damn we'll get Phillip. into. He was <laughs> the the horrific black goat that might be the main cause of most of their troubles. And of course, at the end of the movie, you've got Catherine attacking her own daughter uh, right before she's killed. Uh, you know, in, in self defense. But I mean, she, you know, that that kind of puts the end to the family at that point. Um. I guess before we go any farther and kind of discuss some of these things as far as like the supernatural elements, is there anything that you have that, that you come up with a history of like witchcraft and, and uh, just general, uh, any kind of thing related to Puritan beliefs on witchcraft? Uh, yeah, actually, Reverend Dr. Death, I do. I have, I've broken it down just a little bit just so we can, you know, get to the um, meat and potatoes of the story, but as we know, this period piece was basically set in the 1630s, to be exact, actually. I think it was 1630. And this was around the time, maybe prior to that, you had people migrating from England to New England or, quotation mark, early America. They didn't specifically say Puritans, but it's pretty obvious that we're dealing with Puritans. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, down to the dress and everything else. I mean, and the religious beliefs. I mean, that's pretty much what they were. Well, they do get mistaken as pilgrims sometimes, too. And they were actually different in the fact that Puritans primarily were members of kind of like a religious reform. Puritanism began in the Church of England in the late 16th century, but they believed that the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church were basically the same thing and thought that maybe those churches should eliminate ceremonies and practices that did not fit or come from the Bible. So maybe they weren't rooted in the Bible. I mean, for example, we know Catholics. We're big on our idols, our ceremonies, our practices, the look of the church. Everything is kind of extravagant, all the way down to even what the priests and bishops wear, you know, their vestments. And if you watch period pieces that have the Church of England, any kind of ceremony, you know, be it a wedding ceremony or just some kind of holiday, they were extravagant as well. Puritans, they basically wanted to be modest at best. Um, No flashy ceremonies, no fancy clothes, no idols, um, not even enjoying certain luxuries like material items, food, and human desires. Make of that what you will. I think I read it I, th- I think I read at one point they even banned Christmas, or at least the celebration of it. It was like, you know, the, what we consider the current traditions that goes behind it. They just saw it as too frivolous and kind of uh, took away from the the, perp- the meaning of the holiday, in their, their opinion, which is to, you know, celebrate the birth of Christ. So they, you know, put a, a moratorium on even that. I mean, they were just brass tacks. It's like if it, you know, we're just here to, you know, thank, thank and worship God and, you know— it, we don't want none of your flashy gold and, you know, uh, any of your, you know, brightly colored vestments or anything like that. It's just uh, live a plain life and, you know, pretty, pretty terrible life in my opinion, but, you know, teach I mean, their own. I could see how, you know, maybe not being materialistic so much or anything, but to not be able to enjoy things that you're allowed to enjoy, like delicious food. Or again, human desires, like you can't even dance. That was one thing that they, that they veered away from. They thought that everything was revolved around the devil. Well, that's the devil's activity. That's the devil likes that kind of food. The devil makes you want things you can't have or shouldn't have. And that was their claim to fame was fear. They used fear in everything, their complete way of living, how they grew crops, how they live their life, how before they went to bed, um, their beliefs, everything revolved around fear. And anything pretty much that you enjoyed was ultimately your one-way ticket to hell. So in their laws, they had, there's a book, I didn't, I didn't go deep into it, but I'll just break this down because it's pretty funny. Some of their biggest sins in order, okay, idolizing, okay. number one, witchcraft, number two, which is obviously what we're going to go into. Uh, blasphemy was number three. Murder was the fourth. Poisoning. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Who, who cares if you get murdered? I mean, if you're blaspheming, I mean, that's way worse. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, bestiality. Somehow, <laughs> somewhere that got thrown into... When they were discussing what were their biggest sins, somebody had to throw in bestiality. Like how? Well, (laughs) 
just just so you know, there's a lot of states in the U.S. that still uh, have that on the books as like a major, uh, you know, criminal offense. So we apparently didn't learn much over time. And that's true. And I I can understand that being last, but um, witchcraft before murder? <laughs> Idolizing before murder? Uh, the only thing that I can think of to, to give them, I mean, it's we think it's, you know, it's obviously funny when you think back on it, but they really didn't care about the mortal life. I mean, they were all about preparing themselves for eternity, and both of those previous things you mentioned when you look at that list, damn you for eternity. So it, to them, they were a lot more grievous, you know, uh, things to do because they, you know, who cares if you die, you know, you're going to die anyways on earth, you know, whatever bad things are going to happen to you, but you're those other things they're going to keep you out of heaven so i mean i i could you know it, it's it's crazy to think about but i could see why in their their priorities you know considering they were more about the eternal that was worse so they lived it felt it feels like they lived their lives like they were in hell basically even when you were born you were born in sin um the dad says it that it was one of his quotes you i was born in sin so and then if you don't get baptized, which is a huge plot point in this huge. film, yep. you're damned to hell. If you do, if you die before you get baptized, the baby was going to hell, um, Caleb was going and, to hell, uh, the twins probably and, were going to hell. I don't think they were baptized. I mean, I think they were going to hell anyways. They were two little demonic twins, in my opinion. Well, but, yeah. yeah. They, and by the way, I have to give a shout out. I did get this list of the biggest sins. I got it from Time Suck. <laughs> because they sucked Puritanism. So I'm going to have to, I have to give that credit where some things I found on the internet through various searches, we're going to go back to witchcraft being one of the biggest sins. Cause that's what this film focuses on. And you know, this film wedged its way into our devils in the details because ultimately they, these witches made a deal with the devil. So that, that's, you know, that, that's how we wedge this film in not sure if well, we're going to discuss it again during the witch season, but <laughs> we might give I, a shout out. Yeah, well, we might give a shout out. I don't plan on bringing it back up. I, the main reason I wanted to bring it up during the Devils in Details because Black Philip is clearly, clearly meant to be a representation of Lucifer. I mean, Black there Phil, is definitely. I mean, I mean, you could sit there and you know try to make up, you know, like he's a representation of this, representation of that. But I think even Eggers and a lot of his, you know, commentary about it has said no, he. He's the devil. I mean, He's you know, that, that's devil. what he rep. And it it predates the actual representation that a lot of people give to goats being associated with the devil because that came, I think, in the 1700s. But, you know, we, he can fudge that a little bit, I mean, to make it work out better because, I mean, you know, to kind of get in the behind the scenes just a tiny bit, I mean, he has a good point about how goat farming, although not... I mean, you know, it, it was not looked upon as being like a favorable, favorable thing to do or any kind of, you know, thing that you would like to be as a goat, you know, herder or, you know, uh, but uh, it, it wasn't as looked down upon in the in the colonies as it was in England. In England, you were, I mean, it really cast you down as like a, you know, kind of a low person if you, you know, were, you know, had goats or whatever. But in America, it was kind of just like, you know they were kind of forging their own way and they didn't really look at it that way. So, yeah. Um, so going back though, things that made you a witch 
back in the day. Some of the reasons, some of the ways you got accused of being a witch. I don't have to explain a lot of these and I'm definitely not going to go into detail, but one or two of them I'm going to. The number one way you could be determined to be a witch would be just by being a woman. (laughs) Clearly, I am already deemed a witch. We were determined to be uh, more impressionable. We could be, we were more likely to be swayed to make a deal with the devil. And I'm and and I'm sure they linked that somehow into the you know the the story from Genesis about Eve and her temptation from the devil and all that. I'm sure oh, that worked in definitely. there. Definitely, and Puritanism know. was all about the Bible. You followed everything that was in the Bible to a T. So, yeah, that would but, make sense. Yeah, it, a huge, huge uh, way that you're considered a witch is you know just like you said, being a woman, but especially if you're a woman who doesn't just take crap. You know, oh, like if you speak your mind or are bold in any way, shape, or form, I mean, you know. Yeah, those were called unruly women just... on this list. <laughs> unruly women. Um, one other reason, uh, if you're poor and cannot financially support yourself, followed by if you are rich and financially independent, those would make you a witch. Those would be reasons that you could be a witch. If you have a few female friends, one or more female friends, that's a coven, my friends. Oh, great. We see unruly women. We discussed that. You are very old, which, I mean, (laughs) back in those days is a little bit different times. I'm not saying that they should have done what they did in terms of witch trials, but you really, most people only lived, what, like 40 at best? Uh, I mean, you were living a good long time if you were living to that age. I think 50 was considered decrepit at that point. So if you made it to your 60s or 70s, what kind of sorcery or deal with the devil did you make to live that long? You're obviously going to live forever. There's no other way. You're a witch. And, of course, I'm sure that just like, you know, it is today, women live longer than men. So that was yet another reason that Puritan men probably is like, oh, you know, how are these women living so much longer? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Duh. (laughs) You are very young, which we discussed old. You're very, very young. So, like, we're talking real young. Like, you know, uh, we'll say Mercy. Little Mercy and Jonas. Two obvious witches that needed to be burned at the stake. Um, (laughs) Yeah, got to get rid (laughs) of them. If they were uh, saying maybe things like Mercy said, where she she was saying she was the witch of the woods. You know, hey, those are witch times. That would have had you tried as a witch. Now, was that Mercy or Thomason that you're talking about? Because I think it was Thomason you might be thinking of that said that she was the she was the witch of the woods. Well, Mercy was Mercy was um, was kind of nagging her with it, and then Thomason oh, turned yeah. around and said, "No, I'm the witch." Which and, I we'll, we'll get into this, but I think that's when Thomason damned herself. That oh I, yeah, I think oh that yeah. She, I mean, yeah, it, I, she. I have a list of things that Thomason did to open herself up to becoming a witch. So, and it's a it's a brief list. So it's not too bad. So. Um, let me see. Unruly women again. Uh, neighbors aren't being able to have children. That's your fault. You're a witch. Uh, you have a mole birthmark or third nipple. Which... Oh yeah, any kind of uh, any kind of uh, <laughs> deformity of whatsoever. I, I think like if you had like a hump hunchback or you know like any kind, uh, you automatically sign that the you know devils you know touched you or something like that. Oh so. yeah. Now this one had to come out at a later time because. As the film kind of points out, butter was taboo for the Puritans. And they think the Puritans were the ultimate cause, not ultimate cause, but were the lead into the witch trials 
in the late 1600s, but right now we're still in the early 1600s. So this was obviously later, but if butter or milk spoiled in your fridge, you're a witch. (laughs) Okay, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go with this last one right here. And I don't even need to explain it. I think it's in the it's in the description alone. You have broken virtually any rule in the Bible and thus entered into a pact with the devil. Okay, so basically any human being on the planet. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so those, my friends, are ways that you would have been tried as a witch back in the day. Um, yeah, uh, and... <laughs> As we get into this tale, I think one thing I kind of wanted to bring up um, is that throughout the years, and we discussed this too with The Exorcist, any series of unfortunate events um, could and would ultimately lead down the path, lead you down the path of the dark side. So in The Exorcist, we talked about how Reagan had some, you know, experienced some potential sad spots that may have opened her up and left her vulnerable for the pizza guy to possess her. We talked about that. And in The Witch, and I know we'll discuss this into detail, um, I mean, I think it starts right at the beginning. They get banished out of their community. I mean, that was fucking hard. You could see it on Thomason's face, you know? Uh, Losing baby Samuel. Yep. What you said, it was on my list, scaring Mercy by telling her she's the witch. Oh yeah, that I, I just I, I just shook my head whenever I was watching. I was like, no, that 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 is the point where you basically get railroaded into the you know that that whole mentality that you're that, that you're the witch, you're the cause of all this. Oh, big time! And it. then on top of that, there's even more that happens. Uh, let me see. She oh, Thomason hears her parents discussing basically getting her married off or leaving the family. Yep. Losing Caleb, the dog. And the horse. And it looks like it's her fault. Well, and she's also, if you'll notice in the movie, she's the one that always notices the you know, the things that are going on around the, the home that are maybe not as obvious. Like she's the one that finds the uh, chicken eggs with the, you know, half formed chicks inside. She's the one that finds the bloody milk. I mean, I think Mercy even points that out. Oh yeah. So she lied, she lied, she you know, there was you know, blood in the milk and it, it's it's always around her, but I but I think that that's by design, and and you know we can get into this you know uh, here in a minute, but I I think that Black Philip was basically targeting her, seeing that she had maybe a crisis of faith, and that just oh big uh, time her and big her time. of all the people in the household would would best fit his you know what he desired to create in you know in a witch basically oh big time i was watching another movie where it's basically oh my god (laughs) you're gonna laugh christmas chronicles part two Oh, Lord, I've not seen that yet. I'm not going to spoil, but there's basically a crisis of faith that leads down Trouble's road. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But, I mean, that's just how, you know, that's how these films kick off, basically. Not even films. That's just, in general, how lore kicks off. Hey, you're having a bad time. Let me help you. Um, And actually, that's perfect. I'm glad you said that about Black Phillip because that leads right in to... Black Philip, the rabbit and the devil and how they tie into this story and basically tie the lore into the story. Um, like you said, there really was no um, ties to 
the goat and the devil yet, at least not in these times. That came later on. Um, Baphomet existed, um, and Baphomet goes pretty far back. The name was used for a long time. I don't feel like he got the goat face until later on after the witch trials. Yeah, it was was later on. And the funny thing about Baphomet is, uh, in my reading about this, small though it was, is that it was actually a bastardization of Muhammad. Oh, shit. Take that as you will. Yeah. Yeah. That can go down many paths. Yeah. (laughs) But I think Black Phillip, while I think Black Phillip's face is freaking adorable, and even though I know that may tie him to the devil, I can't help it. I think he's an adorable goat. Yes, I think it worked really well. Just knowing that people kind of, no matter, because we're in newer times, we've seen the satanic, you know, um, church and their and their symbols, and we know Baphomet is there, so you're automatically going to tie that. I mean, Black Phillips on the cover of the movie, and it just oh, yeah. it goes yeah. perfect. You immediately, I don't know, when I see that, I immediately thought the devil. So well, that's yeah, that. and I mean, and and you're you're always uh, curious because he's kind of off in the background on a lot of scenes, and you're always and he's kind of watching as you know all this goes on, and it it's just it's interesting to see that played out in the movie. I mean, it's not, it's not overt, which is great. I mean, it's, it's just like you would imagine like Lucifer to be, he's just kind of in the background, just kind of like sowing the seeds of, you know, of, you know, discontent and, and kind of like a mistrust is out there and, and kind of playing into all that. Mm, Just like him. The witch, or excuse me, the rabbit was a lot more sinister in my opinion. Every time I saw that ugly little rabbit's face, I was like that motherfucker. <laughs> um, the the rabbit the rabbit I think is interesting because and we'll get and we can discuss this quite a bit too. But I feel like there's a lot of fairy tale symbolism in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it even goes back to you know the the you know uh, basically the subtitle of the movie. You know, uh, let's see, it was uh, a New England folk tale. So mm-hmm. I feel like the rabbit um, it. Obviously, I mean, we, we've had this discussion, you know, off air, but I, I, we're, we're fairly sure it's a familiar. I mean, oh, if, yeah, if, and if that's it's not, exactly it's, how they pinned it to be. If it's not, if it's not a familiar, it's it's one of the witches who's changed form. I mean, because there was some of that in the folklore too. But I, I I feel like it was more of a familiar because it it appeared, you know, obviously it was tempting William and and Caleb in the woods, and that provoked uh, William to have the injury to his eye whenever he tried to shoot the flintlock rifle uh you have the uh it appears uh, to, uh, around one of the scenes where thomason's having one of her you know things that she's noticing uh, you know on the farm it's in the background there and of course it's the ultimate things that that leads caleb deeper into the woods and causes you know his ultimate downfall uh which kind of plays into i don't know if this was intended but i kind of got a vibe of kind of like the white rabbit from alice in wonderland oh, it was yeah. like it was Except we got the black it was rabbit, like we got the other side yeah it was like you know caleb was like chasing this white rabbit down into the rabbit hole and you know came out into this you know uh to you know it, it wasn't wonderland it was the complete opposite of that but you know it, i kind of got that vibe from it you know i don't know if that was intended but um I kind of got that from from the scene. No, that's a good way uh, of looking at it. I will tell you the history behind that is that you know common folklore says that witches preferred rabbits because they're fast, they're quick, they're witty, which is funny because more or less now you see black cats being used 
quotation mark as right. familiars. But I thought it was genius that he used a rabbit because cats are just so they're so easy. And really, well, how many cats were around this time? Well, well, yeah, there, we hadn't brought them in mass over, or they hadn't been brought over into the colonies at that point, like the way that we think of them now. It's it's a much better fit for the setting. Um, I also think that I mean, Eggers is smart about how he did a lot of this stuff. Uh, he brings up in some of the behind-the-scenes commentary behind this stuff that uh, the rabbits were also a symbol of fertility, and that was something. And they were they were initially hated, you know, or uh, whenever uh, like the Catholic Church came into England, they were they were chased or uh, chased off because they were kind of a symbol of the pagan uh, uh, religions at the time. And um, I believe that might have played into you know why they became associated with witches at the, at the especially at the time this movie would have been made. I mean, it, they they would have been more so associated with witches than cats because they were all over you know England at the time, and they and they were actually idolized and worshipped by the pagans for you know their fertility you know uh, properties and all that. That is true. So yeah, um, um, witches, excuse me, rabbits and goats. I mean, common folklore, you know, used as familiars for bidding, spying, basically doing the witch's bidding, which we witnessed that in in this film pretty well. Yeah, and uh, and even though we're we're saying that Eggers cheated slightly on the the goat reference, he he does he does bring up the fact that. At least at this time, there's like a, a, a drawing, I believe it is, or an etching of some kind that shows a witch riding or on the back of a goat. So it's not like they're totally removed, you know, from the, you know, like the the witch lore. It's it's maybe just not as pronounced as it becomes later on with you know the, the Lucifer and and the Satanic Church and that sort of thing. Well, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it was a common animal for back in these times. So it's not like it does not make sense. It's not like he's just using it just because goats represent the devil. That just happened to be a great form that the devil could take to access the entire family without being noticed. Yeah. It's 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 I I think it's highly uh, intelligent. I think it's a brilliant move on his behalf to to work that in. I, that's the easiest link for modern audiences to get in there and basically kind of start seeing this as more of a you know. Uh, supernatural tale because i mean you know otherwise you could sit there and say you know go with the modern thinking oh it was the ur god it was the uh which we've not really discussed yet but you know there, there's some thought out there that ur got poisoning you know that grew on grains and and you know corn and that sort of thing caused hallucinations and that's what led to you know some things like the witch trials i mean it's real easy for you know a lot of people now to go back and say oh it was just the hallucinations due to that but i mean eggers you know, really wanted to enforce and put you in the time period that, I mean, they were literally scared to death of the devil being at everywhere at all times. And I mean, you know, if that includes the family goat, then so be it. I mean, that he was there, you know, watching over you, getting ready to, you know, basically, uh, steal your children away from you, you know, uh, uh, destroy everything that, that you thought was good and holy. I mean, that he that's why, you know, Eggers wanted to, you know, work that connection. I, I believe the connection of the goat in there because modern audiences can already associate the goat with the devil, and then therefore it just works in the tale a little bit easier to kind of say, okay, this is a tale about, you know, the, the, the devil and, you know, and, and Puritans being, you know, basically tempted and, and destroyed by it. Breaking them apart 
easiest way to access uh, them too. It's the easiest way to wedge <laughs> into there and you know get them to sign that book. Um, <laughs> so uh, getting back into this, we we discussed the the things that happened to the family, but we've not really discussed the the supernatural things that happened to the family. The things that. If you want to go that route, you could say we're imagined because they kind of happen off screen. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to, I feel like Eggers intended them to be viewed as a supernatural film. So the the main, th- the first thing that brings up is when Samuel is, dis- when he disappears playing the little peekaboo game with Thomason, there is a very graphic scene shortly thereafter where the hag witch is seen cutting into or well it's it, it cuts away thankfully the, the camera does before it shows this but basically cutting into the poor infant and then later just like make it like mixing up the guts and the the blood and just like smearing it all over her body and a lot of people might not realize this but Eggers uh, looked into the lore and witches apparently were not able to fly by their own means. They had to make what he or what were called ungents or ointments to uh, to apply to themselves to be able to fly. And apparently, the blood and viscera of an uh, unbaptized infant makes great flying. You know, uh, ointment. Um, it's just a hard scene to watch, though. I mean, it is really. I mean, it's it's out there. It really uh, paints. Uh, I mean, a pretty graphic scene. No, definitely. Painting is a great word to describe because that's exactly what she did. She painted herself with that baby's rendered fat and blood. And and, and I can't remember, is it, does it show her? I think it does show her like flying up into the, the tree line after that. If I, am, I, am I wrong? Or is, I, okay, I know so they do at the end of the film, but... I was listening to like, you know, a, a YouTube fun facts about this movie. And I read about that and I was watching it and I don't know what I missed. I wasn't necessarily getting that. I mean, it just looked like her silhouette in the moon, but I don't know if I missed her going up or something. I I think, I mean, well, I mean, but just that's the imp- you're whenever. supposed to, yeah, she's supposed to be flying. That's what's supposed to be happening. Yeah, it was kind of like it was, I mean, it was kind of out of focus, so it kind of played with your, you know, uh, ability to kind of really read the scene. But, I mean, it, I, from what I understood, it was like her basically just, as she cackled, she was like rising up, and there was like, you know, the skyline behind her. And and so it was basically symbolizing the fact that, you know, that the blood and the viscera had, gained, you know, granted her the ability to fly at that point. Oh, definitely. Um, the next scene that, shows like the supernatural supernatural element in the movie is with Caleb. And that is the scene uh, where he has followed the rabbit into the woods. He is at the witch's house, which really, really reminded me going back to the folklore ties, the, the fairy tale ties. It really reminded me of like Hansel and Gretel. Oh, I'm like glad that, you said that. That's witchy. exactly what I was thinking. Um, you got the, you got this beautiful, you know, uh, woman with the, the red riding hood, which also ties back in the folk, you know, the grim fairy tales. Uh, she's got this bright red, uh, riding cloak, which as nobody, in, uh, if you watch the rest of the film, you'll notice all the rest of the colors are muted. It is only the witch that has the, the bright, vivid colors other than maybe like the blood and the other, you know, gore like scenes. Oh yeah. But it's and brilliant I, compared to everything else. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly a message being going on there. You know, you got the Puritans with their stark black and white, which is basically their view on life. I mean, that's another parallel. But also the fact that it's, you know, no frills, no colors, you know, just the dreary everyday living of life. And then you got the witches that are living life deliciously, if you want to steal a line from the end of the film. (laughs) And, uh, 
and so you got Caleb and he's it just, and it's, it's a perfect scene. I mean, he's just standing there and he just, this witch standing in front of this like doorway with this, uh, just this whole fairy tale vibe. And he's just totally entranced by her. And I mean, it, okay, it goes he's entranced, to a fact, but his face looks like he is so scared. Oh yeah, he's terrified. I mean, but you can tell that he's caught between. He's he's like the rabbit itself, which is a whole other, I guess, parallel that I just now thought of. I mean, he's like he he can't run away. He's so, but I mean, he's but I mean, he's scared to death at the same time. And yeah. and, and and she just you know, and then she walks up, and then you know, there's that kiss, and then like the you know, kind of the jump scare like effect of the hands like reaching out to grab him and. And then it just cuts away and we don't really know what happens to him until a little bit later in the film. And it's just, you know, you're sitting there. It's, it's kind of shocking. I mean, uh, you know, that scene. Yeah. Um, another supernatural element, uh, before, uh, we get to, uh, Caleb actually returning is the scene where it looks like, well, I guess it's, it's right after he's returned because it's the scene where it looks like the, the twins, who have repeatedly been speaking to Black Philip, you know, and, and, and had this whole like little rhyme about him and and basically putting way more emphasis onto him and idolizing him, which I can't you know, I think kinda leads to their downfall as well. But uh you see the scene where when Caleb is in the throes of just the misery that the witch's curse is inflicting upon his body as he's lying there with his family around him, you just see the 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 twins, they become possessed themselves. I mean they start, you know, like, you know, uh talking you know all this uh i think kind of sing-songing these these things are and and kind of shaking and 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 they're clearly possessed i mean it goes going back to our previous discussion you know on the exorcist i mean that's kind of what that scene looked like to me oh yeah they were throwing themselves on the ground their stomachs were hurting just like the kid's stomach was hurting he was saying something about uh his something about his bowels and they started throwing themselves on the ground and they didn't see so much their bells, but they were clutching their stomachs and they were in agony like he was. That scene right there, by the way, great acting by everyone involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was completely sold. And I mean, especially by the twins, because I mean, you get child actors that young. I mean, it can go, I mean, it can go really goofy really quick, but I yeah. mean, they sold it. I mean, they did. They did. They, Kudos. And I, and, and, and this will get into, a discussion the behind the scenes segment here in, in a little bit, but uh, those twins were clearly to me like one of his like like his loving uh, kind of uh, throwback to The Shining. I mean, it, Eggers is is on is documented as being a, a extremely big fan of Kubrick's The Shining, and those creepy twins have to be. Just you know the you know kind of like his personification of the twins in the in the uh, Stanley Hotel. So, well, that and hold on, I'm going to take it back just one step. The hand that goes around Caleb's back when she's giving him that kiss. Yes, kind of like uh, uh, our lovely Miss. Uh, why can't I think her name? Miss Massey. Yes, from Miss Room Two Three Seven. Yes. Yes, that was definitely yeah. a kickback to The Shining. Yeah, I, I I didn't even realize that till you just mentioned it. But yes, it is perfect because I mean it's just like Danny Torrance is you know trapped in the room with this 
naked woman who's just walking, you know, in, you know, uh, uh, toward him. And he's, he's, it's actually the same kind of scene now that you mentioned it because, uh, you know, he, he's frightened, but he's like locked in place. He cannot move. And she's, you know, clearly got, you know, uh, the worst intent for him. I mean, that you can read into the scene. And I oh, mean, yeah. in, and in she's the shining. a beautiful, beautiful woman, both scenes, beautiful woman. And then, and then it turns into this hideous, hideous yes. creature. And yeah. it is well known. Yeah. I mean, you did your research. I did my research. But when you're reading about this, it is well known. He is a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, and he's a huge fan of Kubrick. And he also mentions that The Shining is the only film that he can possibly stand as far as a horror movie because they just frighten him so badly. And he, the only reason he can stand that one is that he's watched it enough time that he's be, kind of become numb to the horror of the movie. So wait, that's, wait, wait, wait. So that's he like is afraid war. of horror movies. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Which, okay, look at But to be fair, the, although this movie is a horror film, and in my opinion, a pretty good one, considering there are not a lot of actual scares in this movie. It's and and that get and that gets into something else. He wanted this movie to be the the feeling of anxiety. He he was an anxious kid. Uh, he experienced a lot of anxiety as a child, and he wanted this movie to be that. And it, and it is. It's one hundred percent to the T. It's if you've ever had any kind of anxiety uh, bordering on a panic attack, that's what this movie is. It slowly creeps up on you. I mean, you're sitting there and and you feel it coming on. Just uh, you, you have this, just this overwhelming feeling like the the walls are caving in on you, and then just bam, like you know, it's you know, and it hits you, and then that that's what he wanted this film to be, not like the Stark, like jump out, you know, like throw a throw a cat into the scene, and you know, have it you know screech out or whatever, not, nothing <laughs> like that. He wanted he he wanted it to be just strictly like just this terrible foreboding, like anxious feeling throughout the whole film, and 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 he and it's one, I mean, it works a hundred percent that's exactly what this movie does hmm. um, as far as the other things that happen we, we we have to discuss this of course there's obviously the scene where uh caleb you know in in his death throes uh basically vomits up or, or produces the apple out of his mouth mm-hmm. that goes and back the mom into proclaims the, he's been bewitched yes and that definitely plays into the fairy tale symbolism, because of course Snow White, the poisoned apple. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's right there in front of us. It also could be a sign, I think, a tie back to the to Genesis. And you know, even though there's a lot of debate that it wasn't an apple, you know, the 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 fruit from the uh, forbidden tree. I mean, you know, that I believe that that could have been also uh, what that was symbolizing in that scene. Um. You have that, and then, of course, this just outright creepy. The scene where Catherine, mad with grief over the loss of her, of not only Samuel, but now Caleb, sees the, her two children come back to her, and she thinks that she's taking her, her infant son back into her bosom and is feeding him, and it's a crow, yet another familiar that's popped up in this movie, and it's just pecking away at her breast, and it's just bloody, and she's just like, you know, in heaven, like in the scene. Like, she is totally out of it, just completely mad. Um, that that scene is just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's pretty chilling, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, I mean, just the look on her face is just so creepy. It's like that crow's just pecking. Yeah, she she's also a really good actress. Um, she seems to breastfeed a lot in her in her 
<laughs> acting job. <laughs> if anyone recalls Game of Thrones, she was breastfeeding her damn near 20-year-old son. Just kidding. He was, I don't know, 9 or 11. But still. Oh, yes, yes. I know exactly. Oh, I completely forgot about that. That is oh, this yeah, actress. Yeah, yes. And I'm like, why does she always have her titty out? <laughs> is she the actress or is her titty the actress? I, I, I'm starting to wonder. No, just kidding. She, she's she she's a very good actress. Yeah, she's uh, apparently she's been typecast in that specific uh, type of role, though. Hey, if it works, it works, okay? Hey, whatever gets you, you know, the money to pay your bills, I mean, go right <laughs> after it. Oh, man. Um, and then, um, of course, we have the scene toward the end of the movie where the hag witch actually appears at oh, the farm. God. That was good. In, that was a good scene. In the shed with the kids. They're that all locked naked. up. They can't it's get the away day she from was born. Her. Yep. And she is just feeding from the bloody udder of one of the goats and just cackling away. I mean, oh man. You know what? That's one of the scenes. It was funny. She was a typical, (laughs) she looked like a typical witch, except for the butt ass naked part. I mean, usually witches have clothing, but whatever. Okay. But the turn of her face, her smile, her cackle and her nose was every bit like a typical witch, like a witch hazel you would see on, you know, did those Disney cartoons, but she, I don't know something about it. It was scary. It worked. Yeah, that, I mean, I was getting ready to say that's probably the only part of the film um, that I I would say that I actually jumped at. I mean, the rest of it, you know, it, it has that anxious, you know, building uh, dread feeling. But th- that scene was actually a jump scene just because, it, especially if you watch that, you know, in the perfect setting, you know, totally dark, quiet, you know, it, it, and just... I mean, if you put yourselves into the shoes of those kids, especially, and they're sitting there, and they just, and all of a sudden she appeared, she's just appeared there with them, and just her turning around. I mean, it was, it it was probably the best scare in the actual movie. Just it definitely great. was, and it came at a great time because you got to remember this whole film. It's been building up, like things you think something's going to happen or something random happens, and you question. Okay, it, that doesn't have to be related to witchcraft. That could be logically explained. And up until that point, we've had the dread just slowly building and creeping up. And then something actually happens. You look and it's like, holy shit, she's fucking there. Right there. Clear as day. But ass naked. Yeah, and and I think that, uh, I think Eggers mentioned that in one of his, uh, in his commentaries uh, or discussions about the film Later on, he he did bring that up. He discussed about how the fact that it, he wanted the movie to be like slowly building up, and he said like every time something really bad happens, it's just like you're like oh, oh my god, oh you know like just building up from there, and like that that's the pinnacle scene, you know like the the, the that old hag and you know trapped in there with them because I mean the rest of the movie after that's kind of i mean just the downhill slide i mean you know of course you have the scene where Catherine, you know attacks thomason and she and thomason has to defend herself and of course you got the scene where william has which we've not even got into the fact where he fights with uh, black philip and and loses which i there's symbolism in that too because he's literally it's showing you know the puritan ideal going up you know or the, the you know the the head of the household the the the, the puritan father literally button heads with the devil and and he loses yeah. i mean that's that's i mean that's very symbolic i mean there, there's a lot to that um 
but I mean it. It. it but all of those scenes kind of play as like a secondary thing. After I mean, they they just kind of it's like you're winding down after the fact. I mean, it, I feel like that scene with the witch is like the high point, like just where it's really cranked up. And um, we have, uh, as far as the fairy tale symbolism, the only the only thing that I haven't discussed yet is that. I think it's it also plays into the whole fairy tale thing. The fact that they claim that Samuel was thought to be abducted by a wolf. I mean, there's a oh, lot of yeah. grim fairy tales about you know wolves, you know, and uh, you know attacking children or, or you know Little Red Riding Hood that sort of thing. I, th- I thought that was a good play on that. And one more that I that I forgot about is the fact that the fact that they were getting rid of or in the film where they dis- they were discussing. Uh, making Thomason go live with another family kind of gave you that Hansel and Gretel vibe too, where the stepmother was discussing with the father, you know, about how we can't feed these children. You've got to get rid of them, you know, do whatever you got to do. Uh, it it kind of had that vibe to it, whether intentional or not. That's kind of what went along with it. Yeah. And you know, it was, I was kind of torn on not that scene. I mean, it was sad. Thomason obviously wanted to stay with her family and obviously her brother wanted her to stay as well, but it, in those days, Thomason was of that age where you were married off. You were getting ready to start your own home and family. I think she's supposed to be around 15, 16 in this movie. Granted, the actress was already 20, but, I mean, she plays a convincing teenage girl. Right. So to, yeah, while it, I'm not saying it's any less heartbreaking to hear your family discussing you leaving the farm it's that was kind of your duty back then and if she was raised a puritan girl she knew already that this day was coming and yeah maybe it is best for the family that i get married and you know or go work with another family to to help my family it, it was your duty that's what these people were their their whole life was based off of duty to the lord duty to the household duty to the family so yeah, yeah i mean that's that's true I, the the only thing is is that I think that also in the movie, the thing, the other thing that plays into the Hansel Gretel vibe I got from it was the fact that it was right before the scene where Caleb and um, Thomason both left to go into the woods to try to find. Uh, I, th- I believe they were trying to find some kind of uh, way to to keep the family, or you know, to keep Thomason from having to leave the family. I, I can't remember the exact reason if it well, was. Well, for they sure, were trying he was find... checking the traps for food. The traps yeah, that his father tra- set that he, I think he got the traps by selling the mom's silver chalice. Yes. The only yeah. silver chalice she had, which set off a whole nother fucking argument in that household. Well, and I mean, I guess we can get into that. I mean, the basically, I mean, I, I didn't come up with this until I, I heard Eggers discuss it, but I, you can see it once, once, you know, you think about it. He basically said that sin was what doomed the family anyways because he said right on the outset you've got William as pride. I mean, he's pride, you know, to the nth degree. He won't listen to the rest of the Puritans at the plantation. He thinks that he knows God and worship God better than them. Uh, whenever he gets on the farm and starts having issues where he can't really raise his family, he's too prideful to go back to the plantation and to beg for any kind of help. And um, at the end of the movie, when just all shit has gone down, he's still too prideful to admit that this, that you know he it's out of his control because he thinks. I mean, there's that whole scene where he's just wasted away. He's been like praying and fasting and you know trying to you know thinking that it, it's through his own sheer will that God will come down and deliver them out of you know the chaos they're in. 
and all he would have had to do is just go to somebody else and, and you know, and things might have still turned out bad. I mean, you know, they, they were primed to, you know, believe in witches and it still could have turned bad for Thomason and, and the rest involved. But I think that his unwillingness, his pride kept him from seeking out help that might have prevented the, the what ultimately happened to the family. Okay, I have a theory that I literally just came up with. And I'm not 100 on this because I haven't even looked up, you know, each sin because I don't know. I'm not I'm a good, wholesome Catholic, but I have do not have all my <laughs> sins in order. But OK. There are seven main characters in the story. Not I wouldn't even say main because baby Samuel is to be, you know, determined. But do you think that this family may have represented seven deadly sins? Uh, I, I, I've never, I, I was trying to get that myself whenever I was going through that and I couldn't really break them all down that way. I know that Caleb definitely represented lust. Yes. I was going to say Caleb had lust. Uh, would the mom be greed with her cup? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, I didn't think about that, but the cup argument that could definitely be greed. Yes. I, I could see that. She also, um, she lost faith in God after the, the death, so I think that was another sin of hers. But, I mean, I can definitely, if you want to just tie it into the seven deadly sins, yeah, greed was definitely hers because she, a lot of her issue was the fact that, and she claimed in the movie, I mean, that, that it wasn't so much that the cup was gone that she could have used the, uh, bartered the cup off to get food, but um, I, there was still, you could tell there was a resentment there just for the fact that, that it was gone. Okay. Um, um... Is there... Uh, the, sloth the, the, i'm thinking the baby what else could the baby be <laughs> uh the twins would definitely have to be some kind of sin of of just uh i don't envy know like, and wrath maybe well i don't i don't know if who I would represents say gluttony would that be i'm thinking gluttony would be thomason at the end because she wants to live life deliciously well, I mean, if anybody represented it, that would probably be her. Uh, the twins, I don't know. It, I, it would have to tie into something, the fact that they were so, um, I mean, their discussions and their, their uh, you know, association with Black Phillip, that, that they would have to tie in somehow to that. I mean, just, I don't, but I don't know of any, uh, you know, the seven deadly sins where it's just like, you know, basically, you know, uh, communicating with the devil would, would be, but I mean, that's literally what, I mean, that's the only sin that I can come up with. I mean, they were mischievous, yes, but I mean, you know, toddlers usually are, but I mean, their biggest thing was they just, they literally gave power and, and idolatry to uh, Black Phillip. And that could be it, just idolatry. That could be what theirs is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but. Exactly. Um, God, I would say we listed those pretty well, actually. <laughs> Even intentional um, or not, I just had to throw that out. There was seven people. There's seven deadly sins. We're talking about Puritans that follow, try to follow the Bible to the T. And you that, have a dad true. already I mean, admitting to one of the sins. Yeah, and, and and like we said, Caleb is clearly lust. I mean, there's no other way about it. You know, just going back into that, there's several scenes where he's, you know, seeing, you know, seeing his older sister in ways that he shouldn't. And, and that ties into his downfall anyways, because, I mean, that's he gets trapped by the seductive witch. I oh, mean, exactly. that's literally what happens to him. Young adolescent um, boy, I mean... Come on now. <laughs> uh, just going into it, though, the um, like like I discussed earlier, William clearly, uh, literally wrestles with Satan and and falls. I mean that there's uh, the symbolism is just on the nose there. I mean he he wrestles with the devil and 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 dies as a result of it. You know the uh, devil are all also sucker punched him in that scene. 
Like that was fucked well, up. Well, that's true. <laughs> Uh, that's true, but I mean, you know, if he, I don't know, maybe if he wasn't so prideful and, and, and from the get-go, maybe he could have seen that coming. Yeah, because he was clearly looking at his daughter like, you, you, well, you're the fucking witch. Like, just, you, well, and you could see it. That that was the thing that, that, that hurt me the most in that scene was that the only person in that whole film that had ever gave Thomason the benefit of the doubt was William. Mm-hmm. He was the one that, you know, you know, that she confided in that and 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 it really it really breaks your heart in that scene where he he looks at her and he's just like you've damned us all or whatever, you know, like he's 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 given over to the fact that she's, you know, the cause of all of it. it I just I mean that cuz he he literally was the last holdout for her. He was the last thing that glued her to the, you know, the family that gave her any kind of, you know, feeling that she what, you know, had any um just familial ties, basically, because her mother had already sold her out and oh, as evil yeah. at that point. Big time. And it was very gut-wrenching to kind of witness that. You kind of feel it. You're like, oh, damn it. And then he literally gets gored in the gut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He gets his guts um, wrenched out. <laughs> oh, Black Phillip. You know what? I have to throw in a tie real quick. Um, Black Phillip and how this was a very untrained goat. Like he, oh, almost yes. all the animals in this film were trained and Black Phillip was not trained. And so he was very dangerous to walk around. But then I noticed in the film how many scenes he's in with the tiny children. <laughs> Did you notice <laughs> That's that? That's kind of scary. Uh, not till you just mentioned it, but we'll get into the behind the scenes. But given what happened behind the scenes, yes. that is scary as it hell. It is scary, yes, because there was there has to be at least four scenes at the top of my head where these children are petting him. I mean, he probably he looks like he was amazing around the kids, and granted, he was made to look a little bit more rambunctious around other characters. Um, I was just like, holy shit, is this like? Are they imposed? Is this is this CGI? Like, are they really with that goat right now? <laughs> so, yes, we'll get into that. Shall we get into the film? Uh, the only thing that I want to discuss prior to that is just Thomason, and I just all I want to bring up is the fact that if you read this movie the way Eggers intended, yes, she was innocent from the beginning. That's uh, how I she read it. Was yes. Not, yeah, I, that's the way I read it. I guess some people, you know, kind of viewed her as maybe being the, the being the witch that you know that that she was purported to become. But no, she she truly wasn't innocent. She was brought down by everything around her. So I mean, it's just it's a really tragic tale about what happens to her. But in the end. I don't know if you can really say that it was the worst thing ever because what life was she living uh, and what was being offered to her on the other side of it? I mean, it clearly, I mean, it was just suffer and die was what she was being offered. I mean, that that was all that her family could ever, uh, you know, offer up to her or, you know, give her the option of. And then, you know, here comes Black Phillip and it's like, what do you want? How do you want to live? You know, that, that's a hell of a decision for somebody who's been given literally no choices in life. Well, she, I mean, like she was damned from the point, I mean, there was a lot of things that damned her up until the point where she had to, you know, spoiler alert, kill her mom. But at that point, for sure, when she killed her mom, she had committed one of the ultimate no-nos of going to hell. Oh, yeah. So are you going to go to hell, but are you going to spend your whole life in misery knowing you're going to hell anyways, meaning you can't enjoy anything. You can't live. You're going to possibly starve to death. You can't go back to the town. They're going to accuse you of being a witch. 
And then who knows what's going to happen? Or are you going to, for lack of a better term, live life deliciously? As, <laughs> as <Black laughs> she Phillip was offered offers. by Lord Black Philip. Well, and I mean, the only other option she had, which is really no option at all, is to live out the life that probably real life women that, that lived that were always claimed to be witches was to live a life in total, you know, complete isolation out in the wilderness. And I mean, and, and, you know, a hard scrabble life where she, you know, had to struggle every day to survive. But then, then on top of that, have the indignity of, you know, local people in the area, uh, Castner is the boogeyman. So, I mean, you know. Well, yeah, and then you have these witches around you, too. They were going to be, like, taunting her nonstop. There would have been no way. Like, she would have been living on her own with witches fucking coming at her. Fuck that noise. And that brings brings up something that I wanted to to mention. Was the... I I got the impression, if you watch the last scene with the coven gathered together as they're performing the ritual before they, you know, lift into the night sky, that... You could see the seductress witch in the background and the hag witch both. Now, at, at one point in the movie, it kind of implies that they're one and the same. But then at the end of the movie, it kind of implies that there's witches all in the woods. And maybe it was multiple witches. I didn't know what your thought on that was. I always thought it was multiple witches. That's kind of way I was coming from. I didn't necessarily take it. I mean, I, I took it to be that the witch that seduced Caleb was not the same witch that appeared in front of the twins whenever she was like feeding from, you know, the bloody udder, basically. Yeah, and it's hard to tell. I mean, you can really read into it how you want to, because obviously the beautiful witch wasn't as beautiful as she was made up to be. And But when you look in the woods, yes, you do. You see the seductress. You see quite a few beautiful witches. You see the hag. I see. I think I saw one or two haggard witches. Yeah, there was a couple of them. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, did they? is that how they became witches? I mean, obviously, if you think about it, um, Thomason's mom became a witch. She signed the book. And then accused <laughs> her daughter, not very long after that, of being a goddamn witch when, ho, you signed the book. <laughs> <laughs> Like, are you serious right now? So had she lived, she would be butt-ass naked in the woods, probably breastfeeding something random. Who knows? Well, yeah, probably. And then, and that actually, I'm glad you brought that up because Eggers did point out that witches were known in the folklore to actually breastfeed their familiars. So that oh, yeah. scene basically did, that scene did cast her as a witch, basically, where she was, you know, feeding the crow because that's, you know, what witches in folklore were said to do. Feed them from the teat. <laughs> so what were you wanting to, to discuss about the film before we get into maybe the behind the scenes information about it? Um, I didn't know if you were going to go into breaking down the film. I know we kind of ultimately broke it down bits and pieces, maybe not particularly in chronological order. Trying to think. I mean, really what I have is kind of fun facts and behind the scenes. Okay. Yeah, I was I was getting ready to get into that. Uh, as far as the movie goes, I just, I mean, I'll... I'll I mean, before we get to our, I mean, this, our rating will be later, but I, I just love this film. There's just so many ways to rate it intentionally. Uh, Eggers wanted to be vague. I love the feeling of dread throughout the movie. I love the play on the fairy tale symbology. I love all of that stuff. So, I mean, I just, I mean, just the rough discussion of the film, just how it plays out and everything. I, I just think it's fantastic what he's done with this. Uh, definitely. I, I, from the first time I watched this film, really liked it and, That works really well for me because I may not always see, I have to see the movie a few times before I start catching details. 
and the details were kind of because it was a pretty slower paced movie, but also had the good feelings of dread in it. It kept me on my toes, but it also kept me intrigued. So I did catch a lot of details the first round and then even more the second round. And I get scared so easily. So the really, really scary films, I mean, obviously they make my, my blood pressure go up. Right. <laughs> get my heart. Quite literally. I get a good feeling of dread, but I don't get overwhelmed. And so it's a little easier for me to keep my eyes open. <laughs> so I was able to enjoy the film, but also feel there's a lot of key details in this film. It just really kind of thoroughly brings history onto the screen of the beginning of something that was so horrible. If you think about this, this film is supposedly supposed to be the beginning of what may have been the Salem witch trials. And I mean, that gets into the behind the scenes, but yeah, Eggers, I mean, just diving right into it. He intentionally just took this film. He wanted you to be in the time period. He, he, he only filmed, with the uh, you know, with natural lighting, uh, any any place that you see in the film is actually you know whatever the natural lighting is. They didn't uh, do a lot of post effects or anything like to brighten anything up. They wanted it to be as dreary as as you know New England could be. Um, they they he filmed in complete isolation out in the middle of nowhere just to add even more to the ambiance of you know what the family would be going through, and of course all of the buildings, all of the clothing. I mean, you know, they, they were handcrafted and, and you can tell, I mean, just, it, it's, it, all, it puts you in that time period, like all the, the little details that they've done behind the scenes to get you to that place. Yeah. Um, one thing that we need to discuss, and I don't know if you wanted to do this later or if you were bringing it up at a different time, but I did forget there was one thing that we should talk about and it was the, um, ergo or the ergot, what ergot, whatever people call it. There's so many different ways that people pronounce that on the corn which may have led into this uh, puritanic panic, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, uh, ergotamine poisoning. It's uh, a little fun fact about that for anybody involved in the in the field of medicine. It's actually uh, some of the derivatives of that have been like uh, synthesized and made into some of our current migraine treatment medicines. So take that as you will. If you take Imatrex or... Uh, anything of, of that ilk, uh, you're, you're basically taking a, a synthetically derived form of ergotamine. So it, it kind of has a, effects on the mind. And that's, that's I mean, in its purest form, you know, or, un, you know, unpure form, if you want to think of it that way, the actual fungal in, infection that, that comes out about that. It's, oh, I was going to ask, is it, that like a fungus? It's, I mean, it, it is, it's kind of a, a fungal growth in it and, and it leads to uh, basically uh, hallucinations. And that's the reason they think that, well, there's some thought it's, it's, it goes back and forth in, in the communities that discuss, you know, what might've caused the Salem witch trials, how much of an effect it had, but they think that there might've been some, I mean, the, the, the time period and the setting were perfect for the growth of it. And if you ingested it, you know, there, you know, it's very likely you could see people out in the woods, you know, floating and that sort of thing. I mean, cause you were, you know, tripping at that point. I mean, that's literally what was going on with uh, some of these people. So maybe feeling a I mean, tingling pretty... sensation on your body, thinking that you were being possessed <laughs> or that little demons were touching you. 
Or I mean, or if it's if it's real bad, dropping down on the floor and shaking, which is oh, yeah, one of the biggest, you know, yeah, one of the biggest things that that happened supposedly during the trials that you know convinced everybody that you know there was a you know a, a group of witches, you know, and, and Satan involved. Um, of course, you know th- that wouldn't have went anywhere if it hadn't been furthered by the uh, some of the leaders of the the communities in that time not willing to step up and basically say this is ridiculous and that sort of thing. I mean, of course, they did the absolute wrong thing and fed into the hysteria, and that's a whole other thing. I mean, the ergotamine might have got them, you know, started, but it was the fact that they bought into the hysteria that actually oh, made it worse. Big time, and I and you know when you think about it. It's such a small thing. It, it, the ergotamine, as you pronounced it, has such a small role, but it turned into something so big. It started, it was like the spark that started the fire, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's several occurrences in history where mass hysteria led to just horrendous things. And that's exactly what happened during the witch trials. And, and it, it very well could have been the ergotamine. It could have been that, that you know, a little bit of poisoning that, you know, led to, uh, uh, I mean, people who are already, I mean, they, they wanted an excuse. I mean, let, let's just be honest. They, their, their lives were, I mean, you can imagine, uh, you know, you can see it even now in small towns. You got these, these little small town communities, nothing's going on. They love scandal. They love to the gossip that goes on. And, and, and the, any little grievance that anybody ever had against one another, that they couldn't express because it was ungodly. Now they had free reign. It was just like, all right, fine. I, I never did like my next door neighbor anyways because the jerk was already on, was always on my land and you know messing with my you know uh, goats or whatever I have. So I'm gonna let to him. I'm gonna claim his wife's a witch and see how he likes that. You know that I, I literally believe that's what uh, they. It just gave them the excuse they needed for that. You know to set that ablaze. Oh yeah, that was. I mean, that's ultimately how it just it grew into that. One of the things I was thinking of, it was just on the tip of my tongue in terms of the witchcraft. Oh, it, it the, when you said scandal, it gave them the opportunity to discuss things, words that they were, were not able to say before, things that they weren't allowed to think before. Um, it, they were able to talk about, you know, sexual stuff, uh, look at oh, women's yeah. naked bodies to search for marks, talk about the... You know, the things that they did, the running naked in the woods, dancing with the devil. These were all things that they, obviously they weren't allowed to do dancing. They weren't allowed to do that. But you're dancing with the devil. You know, one all of the sad things, was- too, is um, when it comes to women or do- or men back in the day that were in better terms, early doctors, where they were mixing med- herbs. They didn't have medicines, you know, mixing ingredients to kind of help you alleviate certain issues you had. You were considered a witch. Oh yeah, yeah. There was uh, there was a lot of that going on. Bestiality that had to be something interesting. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm positive there <laughs> were people fucking doing that. When you are that suppressed in society, you start oh, to there's, there's going there's gonna be a lot of bad <laughs> stuff going on. Real yes, stuff. there's gonna be some interesting things going on. I mean, some people just have that issue anyways, and that's a whole different topic. But can you imagine being able to talk about that in court and say, hey, we need to have a rule against this? I almost wonder if the person who came up with that was the person that had that desire. You know, maybe they weren't doing it. Maybe they were. But then they're like, oh, my God, we can't have, you know, (laughs) sex with all Uh, these animals. And they're able to talk about it. And, oh, my God, that probably got the blood boiling in a lot of people. 
there's probably some truth to that. There's a lot of there, there's a lot of thought now that even like some of the when when there's laws that are just like you know people are like where the hell did that come from? Like who would even think of that? It's probably because the person who offered that law up or wanted that to be a law is because they're guilty. Uh, in their mind of at least thinking that they want to do something similar to that and, you know, or, or have, you know, there's a possibility they might've considered it. And so like, Oh, we definitely got to get rid of this. You know, we don't want people doing that, you know? And so I, I, there might be some truth in that. And just to be able to shout these absurdity, absurd things at the top of your lungs and to be able to get it out there, they were kind of, it kind of freed them up more to discuss it. Whereas, at home or in general conversation, that was taboo. You don't discuss those things. That's devil talk right there. I think what we're basically saying is that they needed Kevin Bacon. They needed him to come into the town and break Footloose. Oh, my God. I heard or I'd read an article where they were discussing that Footloose was basically like about the oppression of not being able to dance and had deep, deep, deep way back ties of how not just Puritans, but certain religious groups don't allow you to dance. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of sexual connotation to it. I mean, you know, you go back and, I mean, the term for like rock and roll music, I mean, it's the, the reason it's called rock and roll is literally because it was, you know, the sexual connotation that went along with the music. It made you want to rock and roll inside of your, you know, convertible uh, <laughs> to, to the music. I mean, that's, that's basically what, you know, so I mean, any kind of music, especially, you know, the kind that would... Or that would get you dancing like, you know, God forbid Elvis Presley. I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's going to, you know, that, that's going to destroy your puritanical beliefs. Or shame. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Um, Anyways, well, do we have more behind the scenes? Because I have a few. Uh, we definitely have the fact that Innocent was gored by Charlie the Goat. Now, we have oh, to get into that God. because... People, the the actor who uh, played William was literally attacked and hurt by the goat in this film. And Wait, was he, he actually was, gored? He was actually gored several like times, like a lot or just a little. <laughs> at least three times is what I read. At Holy least three shit. times. And Black he was sent, Dang. He was sent to the hospital with injuries to his ribs, and he had to be on painkillers to be able to even finish the filming of the movie. Oh, I bet you that added a lot to his actual acting, like looking, he was looking pretty haggard. Well, and and that was intentional in the movie, but he he also brings it up. He said that's part of the reason why, you know, the goat got the best of him was because he was already wasted, you know, from where he was trying to lose weight to, you know, look like he'd been fasting and just like, you know, and all that. And he just didn't have the strength in him to keep to to really fight the goat off. I mean, so that that made it even worse. God damn it, Black Uh, Phillip. (laughs) (laughs) Black Phillip, you bastard. Um Let's see, uh, w- w- just getting into Eggers himself, he grew up in New England. Uh, his first fears in life were his nightmares about witches, which is oh, one of the shit. reasons why, you know, why this is such a big thing for him. Um, it, he basically grew up with the, uh, the thought that if you went into the woods, you know, that there was witches, among, you know, still there even to this day. And, you know, and, and I, I don't know if he never expressly said this, but I almost wonder if it was like it's almost like a, a thing that people in that area tell their kids to, like, keep them out of things that they shouldn't be in. I mean, it's not 
it's not what you know we get taught in Appalachia. It's you know here it's more you know if you you know it's if you're going to invent something super scary to keep kids you know out of the woods, it's a ghost or some kind of a beastly creature like the the, the wampus cat or something like that. But oh, big time! Uh, like I, don't go near the water or La Arena is going to get you. Exactly. I mean, come so, on. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to keep your kids in line. Fear. The Puritans did it. Apparently, we have not learned. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I feel like that, you know, that, that might have played into, you know, his feelings. And, of course, we discussed that he was an anxious child. So that, you know, that, that he wanted that feeling in the movie. Um, but he, it's interesting. He says the film is really, when you boil it down, it's the fear of feminine power. That exactly is, is how he describes this movie. And I, and it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's really, it's, it's true whenever you, you know, think about it. Cause I mean, <clears throat> anybody in that time period who was, uh, I mean, who, who, a woman in that time period who had any kind of just, uh, power about her, like, uh, it would be a sexual, uh, she had some kind of business sense to her that made her slightly better than the men around her or, or way better, which is really damning, you know, just any kind of thing that gave them power, uh, basically, uh, 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 you know, damned them to being witches. I mean, in the time period, that was the excuse that was used against them. I mean, there was no way that they could be better than men unless obviously, you know, they, they had the power of Satan on their side. Mm-mm-mm. Um, and of course we discussed that Eggers says to properly read the film, you have to start with the assumption that Thomason is innocent. Uh, and, and I agree. I mean, we both agree. I mean, she, you know, if you, I don't know how you, you watch this movie and you, you, especially, I mean, cause when he hired, uh, Anya Taylor joy to play this, this character, I mean, he, he, ta- he chose her specifically for her eyes. Like if you, if there's several scenes in this movie where she, it's like a very close up of her face and her eyes and she's got, I mean, and I, and I guess you could read into it whatever you want, but I mean, they're, they're, they can be, I mean, like he, he says himself and like some of the behind the scenes that she's got inscrutable eyes. Like they don't really tell you, tell you anything on their own. And, and I really feel like that's, that's true. Like you can read into her eyes. Like if you want her to be innocent, they're big innocent eyes. If you want her to be, you know, uh, complicit from the get go, then there's a little bit of mischievous glare, you know, or a spark there that she's, you know, she knows what she's doing, you know, with, Not a with ton. Some of I mean, stuff. I think even when like she ultimately signs the book and she goes out, I think she, if, if, more than anything, what has, what you see in her eyes is kind of the lack of fear. Um, she still doesn't look devious. She still doesn't look. There's nothing menacing about her. I don't even. I don't even feel like she looks prideful in what she's Mm-mm. done. She just looks like she's relieved. I mean, oh, it's just yeah, relief on time. her face. It's just like it, she's got these soft eyes. So I get what he's saying. It's definitely innocence comes, just exudes from this girl. So kudos to that. I mean, that that was a really good pick. But yeah, even when like he she's talking to the devil, she's doesn't look scared she doesn't look courageous she's just somewhere like right in the middle of okay uh, what do i have to do what do you want from me what do you have to offer offer like <laughs> i don't know i love yeah, it i mean yeah and just i mean it, it's basically I, I i like how i mean even that insane it's not like she comes to the devil you know or black philip like you know with with demands it's just like okay i'm here now what you know what are my options i mean yeah. it's like 
it's it's the most humble way that somebody could come to like this witchly power. I mean, you know that that you could you could be. I mean, so that's that's why I don't. I just don't understand the people who view her as like complicit or, you know, in on this from the get go. I mean, yes, she admits at the beginning of the film that she sinned and forgot the Sabbath, but I mean, you know, big deal. I mean, exactly. You know, that didn't, I mean, you know, I know that, that, that doesn't values, mean anything. Puritan values, yeah, that might make you, you know, a person dancing with the devil might as well be in hell. But in real life, I think we all know, okay, come on, we make mistakes, we're humans, you know? Exactly. I mean, it, and you know, it's, and and I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot in there about forgiveness. I mean, if you're reading it, the uh, you know the way I do at least in the Bible. So I mean, I don't understand why that automatically damns you to hell. You know, just based upon that that you know uh, that one sin. I mean, if it's repeated, you know, intentionally, then you know that is what it is. But um, kind I think of what it comes what down else to th- Thomason. I want to emphasize that her last name, or not her last name, but the ending of Thomason ends actually in sin. Which sin, S-I-N. I love that. I think when it comes down to her, it's kind of easy to assume she's the bad person because the bad person, much like Black Philip, okay, other than the fact that he's a bad little billy goat, which whatever, okay, but other than the fact that, yes, he's a goat, he he's not obvious, you know, and that's usually, the bad person usually isn't so obvious. So you automatically assume that, yes, this sweet, innocent girl could definitely be the devil. I think that's kind of how, when it came to the witch trials too, that's why women were just automatically assumed. I mean, okay, can we be, you know, swayed easily? I think any human can, but women were often looked to as the weaker sex. And that being said, you could also tempt people the wrong way. So women, a.k.a. witches, could also use their beauty and their innocence to, you know, turn you to the dark side. And Thomason looked innocent the whole time. So you uh, automatically you're just like, "Mm -mm, uh -uh, she looks too sweet. There's no way. Well, Eggers had an even better point about it, and in my opinion, he, she she doesn't look like uh, uh, she looks like the, what the Puritans would be afraid of. Like she's literally, I mean, too pretty to be. You know, uh, is, there's too much temptation there. You know, just the, I mean, as far as like you know, she's growing into her womanhood and all that, and it's just like she's the epitome of like just the temptation that the Puritans would have hated to have around. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just I, did you had a few more thoughts on, or a few more behind the scenes or a bit of trivia about this? What what did you come up with? Um, let me see. Uh, well, one interesting tidbit, one interesting fact is that Stephen King happens to think this is the freaking scariest film ever. He <laughs> was terrified by this film, and I thought that was pretty interesting <laughs> to know because I'm like, are you serious, sir? Have you read some of your books? Have you seen some of your movies? I'm a very avid reader of Stephen King, or at least some of his older things. I've not like kept up with his, you know, his stuff in like recent in the most past or in the most recent decade. But I think that part of it, if you read a lot of King, he's deathly afraid of like religion, uh, <laughs> at least the religion that, that's relate. in this movie. He there's many, many characters in his, the, some of the worst characters in his stories are like the, the, you know, evangelical, you know, Christians. So I could see him seeing this as like the ultimate expression of just like, you know, taking 
all the bad things in life and, you know, uh, it's the devil. And then like putting that, you know, blame on an innocent person that had nothing to do with it just by, you know, happenstance had to be in the general area. I could see how that would play into his particular fears. I mean, he, you know, he might not be afraid of, you know, like the killer clowns that live in sewers, but he's definitely afraid of religion. So I could see that definitely playing into that for him. Well, and a little bit of this falls into human horror, too, and I kind of wonder if that was it, too. This is something that, aside from the witches in the wood, this is real shit that can happen that can be horrifying, you know, of people mistaking someone for a witch or a family going radical because maybe it was the, maybe it was the corn, you know, anything. So, like I said, aside from the witches, these were all situations that were possible, I don't know. It it never exactly says why he thinks is the most horrifying film, but it is a good film. So not going to disagree with him. Next, in terms of relations to this film, oh, Stephen King loved it. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That is a show that you and I love and are Fantastic. sad that it's going to be ending. Yes, it is great, and it will probably be reviewed at least uh, definitely a couple episodes, if nothing else, and when we get to a season dedicated to witches. Mm-hmm. So just the season of the witch, but um, yes. they take a lot of cues from this movie, um, which we can see. I mean, well, they ha- obviously Baphomet was a big deal in Sabrina. Yes, and a Sabrina huge deal. follows a lot of good witch lore. And they do like to talk about the history of witches. Now, nothing completely identical, but familiars is another thing that they take use, obviously. But they've, I mean, Salem has been around for a long time, even before the Chilling Adventures. So there's that. Yeah. But yeah, the actual show, they, they said that they took a lot of cues from this movie. They, yeah, they take a lot of cues from this movie, and also they were highly inspired by another film that we're going to be discussing later on in this season, uh, which is The Omen. That whole concept of the Antichrist and that sort of thing, there is a lot of that in Sabrina. So, um, just, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, short shout out, uh, Sabrina, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, you need to check that out. Definitely need to check that out. Um, can we talk a little bit about The Devil? And I know we talked sure. about Black Phillip, but very, very small scene where the devil's actually in the scene. And you know that Black Phillip is the devil. It's it's made very apparent. I Actually, I, I, I prefer this interpretation. That's why I wanted to include it in this season, you know, the devil's in the details, because it it's it's almost biblical or biblical. Uh, version of of Satan. It's it's like the Satan in the background. It, it's the, I mean I was just thinking about this. This is almost literally the story of Job. I mean you've got the devil off to the side, kind of you know, kind of how bad can I make this for this family and see how, you know before they break, you know, or, or if or especially or maybe just William. watching to see when they break so he can make the move. Yeah, and um, and 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 unlike in the book of Job, I mean he doesn't you know after losing everything that that's pretty much near and dear to him. William doesn't, I mean, his pride's still too much. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, 
you know, actually overcome the devil, I mean, he, you know, he's destroyed by it. So, I mean, it's, I, I just think it's an interesting version. It's, you just, I mean, you don't have the overt presence like you do in the, the exorcist where you've got like just the, you know, the evil, uh, you know, right there in front of your face. It's actually off to the side and you're seeing the, like you said, the human horror of the scene more than anything else. And, and you're, and you kind of got the devil waiting in the wings. It's like, okay, they're, you know, here they are, they're bickering. It's, it's, it's building this crescendo. I'm getting ready to get in there and do my thing. Just, you know, just, I'm just waiting for that moment in time when they're, you know, uh, especially Thomas is when she's at her weakest and I can, you know, offer it up and, you know, offer up the, uh, the goods, the contract and, and, and she'll, you know, buy it at that point. And really all his minions took the blame. The witches were the ones that took the blame for everything. I well, mean, uh, not necessarily and, the blame. They, they, they worked the behind the scenes. They, they were the ones doing his bidding to get to the point. And I mean, that goes back to your Sabrina argument. That's kind of the same thing that's, that goes on in that show to a T. You've got, I mean, actual Lucifer in the show. He doesn't really even appear until like the second season. And even then, he's not much of a threat. It's the actual witches who, you know, do his bidding that kind of go out there and do the manipulation that, that you know, leads to what happens in the show. So, I mean, it kind of, you know, it's, it's he's using his human emissaries to do, you know, to get to the point where he can move in and, and basically make the spiritual, you know, uh, part of it. When you watched this film, did you think that Black Phillip was the devil? Right off the bat. I was suspicious, you know, obviously, <laughs> given the, the fact that it was a black goat. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, you know, I've, I got to think back to my first viewing because it's been a while because, I mean, we recently watched it and I knew from the get-go. But uh, my first viewing of it, I, I don't know that I, I mean, like I said, he's in the background. You don't really pay him much attention. I mean, you know that the twins are kind of like, you know, giving him more of an emphasis than he probably should have. And you're kind of like, why are they doing this? Is it just them playing around because they don't have anything else to occupy their time? And, you know, he's just, I mean, cause he's really not even in that many scenes, but then like whenever you get to the end of the movie and then it's made apparent, you're like, man, he's been there the entire time doing this. Jesus Christ. He was always there. And they also, the cameras don't focus on him. Like they do like the rabbit. They really no, kind yeah. of pan in. They look at Philip, and I know that um, Thomason kind of gave him a look or two, but he never looked menacing, you know? And yeah, they, and I it's guess funny maybe they just didn't have the music to kind of give him that Jaws feel, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of funny that you mention that because she's literally the only person in the movie that, that kind of, you know, even has any kind of inkling of his power before, you know, the, the ultimate end of the movie because... You know, obviously the father doesn't recognize him as anything more than a goat. The The twins are giving him the power, the idol tree and all that, but then they don't really, I mean, you know, but she's the one that's caught, I mean, but they're on like more of the evil side at that point because they're, you know, they're, they're kind of in his fold, but it's... It's Thomason who's kind of like, you know, she sees how the, the twins are obsessed with him and she's she's the one that's like, there's something here and like nobody, I mean, but she's the one being blamed at that point. Yeah, and it was kind of hard back in those days, witchcraft aside, take the supernatural out of it. Back in the days when somebody's like, oh, um, well, she's over there, she's practicing witchcraft. And it's like, oh, my God, I saw her by the river singing this weird song about this person that doesn't exist. She's a witch. So you start playing the blame game. And it was funny because Thomason and the twins literally had ammo against each other. Legitimate stuff that was pointed out in the movie. They literally had 
that shooting at each other while she said she was the witch of the woods while she says she talks to black philip and black philip says this to her and it was like legitimate because they actually said that so that was kind of funny because that's kind of maybe not how it played out in the actual witch trials that came 60 years later you know 40 excuse me 50 60 years later but I'm sure it was a good, hey, this person, know this person, while well, this person said, well, what this person said, well, I saw this person. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a microcosm of what happens later. It's literally, you know, just uh, the people, uh, he said, she said, you know, they're doing this, you know, uh, having these dark covenants out in the woods with the, you know, the, the great evil one and, and that sort of thing, but just played in a, you know, infinitesimally small scale, you know, just super small. Oh, absolutely. Going back to the devil. So the devil, you get to the point where Black Phillip finally talks to her. Like she, I, she was about to give up, you know, like, okay, he's not talking. You know, she went up to him and said, hey, how, you know, I'm, I'm here. What, what's up? What you got? Talk to me <laughs> like you talked to the twins. And exactly. nothing. He lets her sit and linger for a minute. And she turns away and you get the dust thou want to live deliciously, you know. Start asking what dost she thou, wants. Dost thou want a bit of butter or, you know, and then and lead into that. Uh, <gasps> butter? You know. No. <laughs> dost thou want to see the, the world? <laughs> no, that was a no-no. And she turns around and it, it's Black Phillip, in which t- the first time I watched it, that was a surprise. I was like, no, not Black Phillip. Because it just seemed too <laughs> obvious to me, which so did, but, you know, um, with with uh, Thomason being a witch, it seemed too obvious that she could be a witch because she was so innocent. Plus, you saw a witch at the beginning of the film. So it was like, okay. But I'm like, holy shit, he really is the devil. And another nod to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is he helps her sign the book, which they didn't get that from Chilling Adventures. Chilling Adventures had that in their season. Was It, it was the second season, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Does she say in the, that she doesn't know how to write her name or what was that the exact... she cannot I, sign I, her name and he said, I will guide you. And literally you see his, I don't know, I didn't see a hand. So to me it looked like a hoof that was on her uh, oh, yeah. right shoulder. Kind of yeah, giving it, her that fatherly gesture of, hey, I'm going to help you. So she really does meet the devil. He is in the film. He was the behind the scenes the entire time. The witches were literally just the minions. And would you say that ultimately she is the witch of this film? Like, meaning he got her, that this is what he was after the whole time? I, I Yeah, that's exactly my interpretation of it. The The title of the witch is Thomason, but not the fact that she started out that way. She she is the prize at the end of the movie for Black Phillip. I mean, that yeah, is she exactly... She became the witch. Yeah, she she became the witch, like one of his prized, uh, you know, members of the coven. I don't know. I mean, it it doesn't really go on to give her any more significance within the coven, but I you you kind of with the personal touch that he had, it's almost like I mean, you it's hard not to give her more of a you know uh, preeminent you know position within the coven just because you know she was brought there out of pure innocence. I mean, I, I can't say that the other witches were not, but I mean, it, it's, I mean, she was basically the apple, you know, like the prize, like she was the, the innocent that, you know, he was able to, you know, through his various manipulations to break down enough to, to get within his fold. I'm looking at a poster right now for the witch, the Vivich, 
And like you said, it says a New England folktale. And then below that, even smaller, right above Black Phillip's horns, it says evil takes many forms. And oh my God, that couldn't ring more true in this movie. <laughs> it, all kinds of animals, uh, the the people in your life that you think are, you know, uh, you know, there for you, your support system getting knocked out one by one. I mean, it's it's totally the the gist of the movie. Mm, big time. Um, so, do we have anything else before we start throwing out some ratings? Uh, that's all I have. Yeah, that's that's all I have. I mean, other than great film, beautiful imagery, great actors. It was a very small set, um, secluded, like you had mentioned. Natural lighting, low budget, $4 million budget. That's pretty low. Made Made forty million. That's a little bit of trivia we can add on there. Yeah. It made ten times its budget back. What is? I had one more tidbit about how it was made. We discussed low budget. Uh, oh, um, I think it only like I think it was literally just a few months for them to make it. I want to say thirty some, not even a few months. Um, thirty to forty something days. I don't have the exact um number count. But I do think I do think in what I was listening to or what I'd listened to, they did mention it was a very fast turnaround. Mm-hmm. And um, overall, shall I go first? Go right ahead. And based on everything I just mentioned there, the fact that there was enough scares in this film to keep me on my toes, but also not make my heart hurt or make me want to close my eyes. And I was able to notice a lot more because of the pacing. I'm going to give it... Oh, man, this is tough. Um, it wasn't so scary, so I'm going to give it a five. I mean, excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to give it four ghosts, <laughs> a Miss Massey. A Miss Massey. A Miss Massey. And I give it a four. I, I, I truly want to give it a five. Really, I do. But because it just wasn't so scary, and that's kind of, we, we are a horror podcast, I, I'm going to give it a four just because it, it didn't, it didn't, uh, make me take my blood pressure medication i'm right there in the same boat with you i mean i i think this film's uh you know if you're giving a straight up rating of how good of a film it is it's a five out of five but if you're rating it on just the scare alone which is what we're ultimately rating it on i would give it a, a, a miss massey i mean it's it's uh it's a four for me i mean it, it it's got the dread it's it's got the the scare at the end with the witch i mean it, it's all there and it's in a perfect package it's just not scary enough to you know keep me up at night i mean and that's ultimately what i would designate you know as a ghost with the most it's just it's 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 almost there it's just not quite and i don't think it was meant to be that way i think it was meant to be right where it's at just i mean enough to make you you know like you know what the hell's going on here just kind of the questioning type movie oh yeah and it definitely did that and i mean i slept great the night after i watched it again i mean granted a few days before watching i dreamt of black philip but even that wasn't scary so you know he can't help it he's an adorable little demonic <laughs> goat um so with that uh we come to the end of this discussion but uh, we do plan on having another discussion coming up uh, next month. Our film that we have chosen uh, for the Christmas season is uh, is about the uh, is about the devil of Christmas, uh, Krampus, as as he is known, um, and 
I really look forward to, to discussing this one. It's it's more of a horror comedy, but there there's enough. It's it's made by the same director as Trick or Treat. There is enough horror there that I don't think any horror fan will be uh, uh, disappointed with watching. Um, did you have any thoughts on on that film before? I mean, just like a quick. Uh, take on it before we uh, kind of wrap things up. I'm going to be honest. I was scared the first time I watched it because that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I love the story behind Krampus the Christmas Devil. And there's so much history, uh, German folklore to get into. So I'm excited to kind of research that a little bit more to bring those details. Um, and then overall excited to watch it again. Um, I know my kids love that movie. They love Krampus, which is weird. But that's just what they are. They're weird. And hopefully I'll be able to keep my eyes open enough to, you know, catch any details I need to catch. So definitely looking forward to that. It's one of my favorites. It's become a perennial viewing thing. I mean, I I lump it right in there with the rest of the Christmas films. So, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, amped to get in there and discuss it. Um, uh, Do you have anything to plug on your end with regards to... uh, Blue Collar BS? Yeah, I mean, for right now, you can still catch us on Blue Collar BS. Blue Collar BS is our YouTube channel for now um, that we are presenting this show on till we kind of get things up and running. You can catch us, Blue Collar BS, on Fridays, every Friday, around 8 p.m. West Coast time, just to kind of, we just kind of BS a little bit about, you know, news events, local and nationwide. Sometimes we get into a little uh, (laughs) worldly news if necessary, and yeah, literally just some blue-collar bullshit. So catch us there, and I guess for this show, that's it. We'll see you next time. Peace be with you. Peace be with you and with your spirit. (laughs) 